LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty, a resource to equip and encourage leaders to make disciples who make disciple makers. I'm your host, Chris Swain, here with Robbie Gallaty, the pastor of Long Hollow Baptist Church, founder and president of Replicate Ministries. Today on the podcast, we're going to talk about something that I have been excited to hear about uh, recently. We've been discussing this a little bit, but more importantly, been preaching about it. And so anytime you preach about it, it takes it to the next level and uh, more people hear about it. And and I, I have a lot of questions about this today, so I hope you're ready to answer. <laughs> it's early in the morning when we record, so we, we kind of look like uh, we're never going to answer uh, we're never going to have a good discussion. We're really just, it's sleepy time, right? No, I'm ready to go. No, you're <laughs> I've, been up, I've been up since six o'clock <laughs> and uh, I already worked out, two and already and a half read hours, my man. Bible, <laughs> already had my coffee. I am ready to roll. So here's the big question we want to focus on today. Why is our evangelism not leading to discipleship? Oh man. If you think about the church, we focus on a lot of things. Uh, we've talked about this before many times. We focus on Oftentimes, sadly, the numbers, the the uh, lag measure versus the lead measure of how do we get to those things, right? Yeah. And so what is the connection between evangelism and discipleship and, and why are our churches, especially church, I've got a friend, for instance, he's in a medium-sized church. Okay. He just celebrated 200 baptisms in the course of a year, a couple of years. Nice, uh, great, a great uh, a bar to say, man, this is awesome. Look what God's doing in the church. He's super excited about it. How can he make sure that that's not the end of all the work? Mm. You know what? What about these 200 people? How do we ensure these 200 people are still here in a couple of years well, and that the, they're growing? Yeah, and I'd ask the question or run the run the. Uh, uh, run the report and find out how many of those 200 are actually still attending his church exactly, yeah, yeah. or any church for that matter. And you could do this with your own church context. Just just run uh, a report from the last year or the last five years. See how many people you've baptized, names and numbers. I mean, you've recorded those things. Right. And then follow up. Here's a great campaign internally. Follow up with those people and say, hey, where you are. Uh, and we talked about this this week. Um, in my message, which is really timely for us to talk about, we talked about how many of us have reduced, I'd say all of us, not many of us, all of us have reduced, and it's not even our fault because we've learned this from you know tradition and historians, and, right. but all of us have reduced salvation mostly to a point. Okay. Yeah. If we can like get when someone, when you made a decision, or when Christ saved you, or well, we just call it the, when was the point of salvation? So I was in seminary. Yeah. I had a friend. Uh, I'm not going to mention his name, but my other friend Rob Wilton and I were friends in seminary. We had another friend who would always debate us okay. about this particular uh, can I issue. Take some guesses? No, you don't know this guy. No, you don't know this guy. He's 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 a minister. He's playing he's playing okay. the church. But I'm not going to say his name. But uh, he, <laughs> he he I'm getting closer and closer. To who he is. No, but here's the reality. So we would debate, and he was a good friend. It's nothing bad about him. But he would always debate. I mean, this was the topic of conversation every day at lunch. Yeah. Is salvation a process or is salvation a punct? This was his words, a punctiliar point in time. 
good seminary-esque <laughs> conversation, right? Punk, is punctilier. it a punctilier point in time, which I had to look that word up, or yeah, is I it a process, <laughs> okay? And he could not wrap his mind around the fact that it was both. Oh, For him, oh, yeah, yeah. it was an either or. Now, I would ask you this question. Do you view salvation, if you're going to have a pendulum and you can't go center, right? are you swinging to the punctilier point side yeah. Or are you swinging to the process side? Right. If you can't pick center, what are you doing, right. Chris? Let me ask you. Uh, I would say five years ago and my entire Christian life before that, it would have been the, whatever that word is, point in time. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I don't Dylan, even want to try to pronounce it. process? I think it's process. Okay. No, but you heard me preach this enough. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Tim, point or process? Both. Both. That's the answer. <laughs> Tim with the answer. The and for answer. the record, for the record, both would be my answer now. But I, I, I want to identify with those out there who are thinking salvations. How many did we have? Yeah. And that lifts up a point in time when you say it that way. Right. Even our language produces and perpetuates this idea that it's a point. And, and Dylan's right. If you can't pick center, you probably lean toward more of a process. Right. Uh, remember, many of our invitations today would be foreign to Jesus and Paul. Mm. Like like if Paul showed up at our church tomorrow, uh, this Sunday, okay? Yeah. If he shows up at our church and Paul hears the kind of invitations we give to people, yeah, he would be confused as to what we were talking about. I'm <laughs> exactly just gonna be honest with you, you know? Uh, surrender your life to Christ, say a prayer, repeat after me, say amen, uh, stand up, raise a hand, you're saved. Paul would be like, what, what exactly is this again? Paul would say, what, what are we, what are we, talk, what are we talking about on? here? You know, what, what, it, what is the least amount of things I need to believe in order to be a Christian? And so the, 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 the problem, I think, and the reason, watch this, that our evangelism is not leading to discipleship is yeah. because I think we have been preaching one side of the gospel message, mm -hmm. okay? We have been preaching a gospel message of a point that yeah. we want to get people to a point of salvation. Now, is there a point in time when all of us in this room have repented of our sins, put our faith in Christ, and we were, quote unquote, born again, regenerated, right. um, adopted into the family of God, legally declared justified? Yes. That was a point in time when that happened for all of us, when, when we went from death to life, mm. from darkness to light. Yes. Okay. But the challenge for us is many pastors, including me for years, is that we were, what happens is we reduce salvation to that point only. Mm. So we have a one dimensional, if you will, view of salvation. Okay. When you read the new Testament, they're always asking the audience they're writing to, are you doing something presently? Mm. Okay. Are you bearing fruit now? Are you keeping in step with the spirit, Paul, to the church of Ephesus? Uh, are you um, are you bearing the fruit of repentance? You see what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. As, as, as uh, we learned about even this Sunday with John the Baptist, are you producing fruit consistent with repentance? Hmm. He doesn't say, now, if it was an American preacher, not John yeah. the Baptist, he would have said, have you said a prayer in the past? <laughs> Okay, you're good. Has there okay. been a time in your life? <laughs> what am I doing here? You guys are all good. You don't need me. No, he's saying, what? Watch this. Producing, are you producing fruit? Uh, Matthew chapter three. Are you producing fruit consistent with repentance, which is actually Matthew chapter three, verse eight, uh, is in the present active tense. 
Okay. Yeah. Produce. So it's actually produce, fruit. So you may have two produces. <laughs> produce, produce. I like anyway, that. Yeah. Produce and produce. Exactly. Are you producing produce? I like yeah. that. Okay. <laughs> and here's the reality. Uh, it's present and active, meaning it's something we should be doing all the time. And listen, if you're listening, if you get this, this will change everything. We need to change our mindset mm. from salvation being something we did in the past. Yeah. So we shouldn't be asking people only, hey, did you make a decision for Christ in the past? I think the question we need to be asking people is this, what is God presently doing in your life today? Hmm. Right? Yeah. And I'll ask, I'll ask you that if you're listening. What is God doing in your life today? And for the people that say, and, I, and you, this is a great question to ask people. People come up Sunday and say, hey, tell me what God's doing in your life today. Uh, well, <clears throat> well, he's doing a lot. <laughs> okay, great. Tell me, just tell me one. You don't have to tell me a lot. Just tell me one. Okay. The well, crickets chirp. Exactly. Okay. So, so you see where I'm going here. So the yes. idea is we have reduced it to a one-time decision or a, uh, a date in the front of our Bible. You know, when I was a, a young evangelist years ago, I had a guy in Louisiana tell me, hey, listen, when people get saved, brother, you take them at that altar call, you walk them over to the side with their Bible. You sit down with a pen and you write in the front cover of their Bible, their name, the date they got saved in a Bible verse. I said, wow, that's pretty amazing. Now, I'm not discounting if you right. if you have that in the front right. of your Bible. I actually bi- have that Bible myself. Do you I really? Okay. Bible. I don't have that Bible because nobody did that with me, but uh, I'm not discounting that Bible. Right, now, right. I have Bibles with dates in it. I mean, sure, I'm not sure. saying anything wrong with that, but here's the problem. There are many people that fill the, the, the seats of our pews mm-hmm. and padded seats every week who have dates in their Bibles from when they were teenagers or younger yeah. kids, and they're clinging to that date as the validation for their salvation, and their life looks anything like like a Christian from that point on till now. To be clear, you're not going to be able to uh, see Jesus one day and show him the date in the front of your Bible, and that's going to be admission into heaven. Well, that well, yeah, exactly. The only point, the only Bible you have at that point is the Bible you hid in your heart. And sadly, many Christians won't have enough Bible in their heart because I didn't take the time to memorize. But that's another podcast for another another day. day. Well, to be clear, before we take a brief break here, let me give you a quote before we do with a wise announcement. Yeah, you'll be able to give us a quote. in terms of Christ working in our life and what is God doing now, yeah. um, God saved us and God is saving us. We're being sanctified, but we cannot lose that salvation. Just to be clear for those listening yeah. who may theologically be thinking, if that's ongoing process, can it, does it stop? Can you uh, fall away? We don't want to get into a long podcast on that, but just to be clear, uh, you cannot lose your salvation. We're simply talking about the fruit of the life of a believer. Yeah, right. And and I would say you can't lose. And it's very. I mean, it's a long conversation. Sure. Wrote wrote two chapters in, in the beginning of my book, firmly planted on right. this very topic. But uh, the the idea is you can't lose something you didn't do anything to earn on the front end. Mm. If it's a gift, it has to be a gift with no strings attached, or right. it ceases to become a gift. It becomes a wage. Yeah. That you've earned. Just to be clear on that. Okay, we're talking, so you can't lose something. What you is this quote can't do anything bad enough on the back end to lose something you weren't good enough on the front end to earn, okay? But but here's the thing I would say. I, I think you're right. People would hear this and say, are, are you saying we have to work for our salvation? We can do bad works? No, what I'm saying is when Christ saves you apart from works, meritorious works, good deeds, good enough, you, God doesn't save us by works. But the moment Christ saves us, he begins to work in our life. Albeit some fruit is 30, some fruit 60, some fruit produces 100, but you're going to produce some fruit. 
Okay. He doesn't say no fruit. You're going to produce. In fact, the term Jesus uses much fruit if you're a believer. Mm. Okay. So here's what I I want to close before, before we go on a break. I heard this from a seminary professor years ago. And again, not discounting the, the, the Bible date and the, I mean the date in the front of your Bible, but what he says is this, and this is interesting. He said, you don't uh, judge whether you're a Christian or not, or better yet, you're not assured of your salvation Hmm. by the date in the cover of your Bible. You're assured of your salvation by the conduct of your life. Hmm. Okay, so think of it this way. The way you're presently living is the case that builds the validation for you to be a Christian. Okay. Mm. So now I'm not saying you don't fall into momentary lapses of sin, which we have. And I'm sure. not saying you, you, you don't get off course at times and repent. I'm not saying that. I'm saying as you look at the long view of your life, mm-hmm. okay, I'm taking not, not, a, not a snippet, but a swath of your life. Mm-hmm. If you have no desire for the Lord, if you have no burden for the lost, if you have no passion for righteousness, if you're not desiring to be in the word until the word gets into you, if you're not burdened to pray more, then I would question if you're a Christian. Well, let's talk more about it. Apparently, you've got something to say about this topic. So let's talk more about it right after this. You know, training your volunteers and leaders is important, but do you ever feel like you don't know where to start? That's why LifeWay Leadership developed Ministry Grid. With Ministry Grid's library of over 3,000 training videos, the work has been done for you and you'll be able to train everyone in your church. And this is training you can trust. Every Ministry Grid video features an experienced ministry leader who has been where you are right now. You can also customize any training by adding notes, PDFs, YouTube videos, and more. And now Ministry Grid has one plan with one price that gives you unlimited access to train your entire church. Just go to ministrygrid.com to learn more. Once more, that is ministrygrid.com. And we're back. We are on this awesome piece of information from Pastor. He has been talking about how we are saved and what Christ is doing in our life as those who are saved. Yeah. And so it's 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 kind of a complicated topic, but it's really not. It's really an easy, it, it, it can get complicated if you want it to be. Yeah. Which is a lot of things. I've made it complicated. (laughs) That's right. A lot of things in church work are this way. It doesn't have to be so complicated, but we make it complicated. Yeah. Well, uh, again, let's just pick back up and then we'll get back into it because I think it's pretty simple if you think about it. Let's not think only of what God has done in the past, although we should remember that, but we want to think about what God's doing in our life today. And and again, I mean, think of what I said earlier. We've reduced salvation to a one-dimensional view whereby for most people, you are saved to do one thing. What is the point of your salvation, Chris? Why do you want to be saved? Why do I want to be saved? Yes. Hmm. 10 years ago. Oh, 10 years ago. Or 20 when you got saved. Because I I don't want to go to hell when I die. Bingo. But where do you want to go? (laughs) I want to go to heaven. You want to go to the spiritual palace in the sky. That's that's right. I mean, Disney World in heaven. Little angels flying around with uh, bows and arrows. Exactly, which is so, yeah. (laughs) Floating on clouds. Okay, so here's the thing. With that model, Okay, this is the gospel pitch for some. And listen, I've wrongly preached this one dimensional uh, view. And I'm not saying it's wrong, but I'm saying it's a one dimensional view of salvation. When you preach that to people okay, yes. or you share that with people, you don't want to go to hell, do you? you want to go to heaven? What's happening is it becomes transactional. Okay, where in a sense, salvation is a spreadsheet with two columns and your whole goal is to get people to move from the lost column into the saved column. 
Okay, that's all you're trying to do. What column are you in, brother? Okay, you're in the loss. Let me tell you, repeat this prayer after me, repent of your sins, put your faith in Christ, and you're saved. And at that moment, God has a transaction with you where he moves you from being lost until you say, but here's the problem with that transactional model. What we tell people is this, and this is the reason, Chris, we don't see discipleship in many of our churches today, if mm -hmm. not most. This is the reason, I think, one of the main is that we have reduced salvation to just getting people out of earth into heaven when they die mm. or when Christ returns, whatever comes first, yeah. okay? And what we tell people is this, say a prayer, praise God you're saved, now wait for the return of Christ whenever that is. Mm. And if you get saved at six years old, what happens is you have to wait 70 plus years for the return on that prayer. If that's your viewpoint. It, well, and I would suggest, would we, you guys agree in the room? That's most that's people common, who yeah, are listening to us. Outlook. That's what we've all been taught, okay? Mm -hmm. And here's the challenge with that. Let, let me give you a practical example. Uh, last week, we surprised Rig and Ryder with a surprise trip. Which are your two boys, just to clarify. My two boys. May not know. With a surprise trip to Disney World with some of our friends, okay? So we went, some of our friends, they have some boys too. So we all went to Disney World, surprise trip, and they were super excited, man. We woke them, uh, actually, we, we didn't wake them up. We were gonna wake them up, but we flew earlier. But uh, we told them like two hours before the flight. We said, all right, guys, where 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 would you wanna go if you could pick any place on the plane? Oh, daddy, that's easy. You know, 10 and eight. Disney World. Which, to just clarify, that's their favorite place right. on planet Earth. And yours. Earth. I, from what I hear, that's no, your favorite. No, it is favorite. not my It's my least favorite place on the planet. Now, it's no offense to Mickey. Favorite. I like Mickey. I like right. all the characters. I like the park. Right. I just don't like the walking. I don't like the rides. I can't ride a ride. I'm a medical nightmare. I got a pacemaker. I got a back issue. I got <laughs> neck pain. They create that list I, on the front end of the ride. I got high blood pressure. I got motion sickness. Life. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm, exactly. I'm the guy on the list. Okay. So, <laughs> what if I tell the... So, you know, we get there. And even this year, which was funny, because our friends, uh, boys would always say, Pastor Ryder, when are you going to ride? You going to ride this ride? And I yeah. say, no, I'm not going to ride that one. Well, Pastor Ryder, you definitely ride Space Mountain. I can't ride that one either. <laughs> You definitely ride, you know, Mine Train, you know, Splash Mountain. Well, I don't care. And finally, I took them to the little banner, you know, like outside of yeah. the ride, and it says, <laughs> "Warning: If you're suffering from any of these health conditions, heart right. condition, check, pacemaker, uh, <laughs> back pain, check, neck pain, check, high blood pressure, check." Uh, motion sickness check or any other I, so I told the kids I said see listen I've got everyone checked but then Rig was smart he was pointing to the one that I did not have checked and what was that which was pregnant women should not hey. ride I said okay I'll give you that I'm not pregnant but I can't ride the rides okay but let's say I'm, a, I'm telling them on that on that uh, Tuesday night Fo guys folks you know we're going to Disney World here's the deal uh, we're going to ride Avatar well you are uh, Space Mountain yeah uh, Splash Mountain uh, Mine Train Peter Pan. It's a. I mean, you're going to ride them all. Here's the caveat. Only one problem. Hold on. Settle down. We're not going this year. In fact, we're not even going next year. We're not going to the year 2030. <laughs> now, you have to agree. That's going to lose a little luster and excitement. Probably, uh, probably going, about a yeah. month or two. You know, it's like, They would maybe still be excited in the moment because they're going. Yeah, quote, yeah. Unquote. They'd tell all their friends at school for about a week. Yeah. <laughs> then a month. Then six months then a year, then five years, then 10 years. And then by year 11, you wonder why they stopped talking about it. They could care less about it because it's so far away. Yeah. Whatever they do between now and then is irrelevant. Hmm. Irrelevant. 
Whether they do good in school or not, irrelevant. Whether they are good students, irrelevant. Whether they obey their parents, irrelevant. Because they're still going to Disneyland. It's just so far off. Yeah. Whatever they do up to that point means nothing. Now listen to this. That's what most gospel presentations are to lost people. Hmm. You don't want to go to hell, do you? Okay, good. You're going to go to heaven. Here's the deal. Say this prayer. Repeat after me. You just secured a spiritual ticket so when the roll's called up yonder or Jesus returns, you're going to be there. But here's the deal. You have to wait until Christ returns to cash in on that decision. Wow. Can you see how this can be discouraging to people or even worse, paralyzing to people? Sure. It creates an outlook where discipleship is, as you've said before, is is an optional part of our life. And nowhere in scripture do we see that. It is an yeah. optional part of our life. Listen, why go to, ch- who cares about going to church? I'm going to Disney World, heaven. Yeah. <laughs> Who cares about reading the Bible? I don't care. I'm not going to put that to yeah. discipleship. Definitely not going to choose that option. Obedience. Don't right. want it. Uh, praise and worship. You can keep it. Uh, you know, coming to coming to uh, training events. Don't need that either. Okay. Mm. And so, because here's the thing in that model, Chris, what happens is spiritual disciplines become recommended, but not required activities. Mm. Like you should do them, but who cares because I'm going to heaven. But what we miss is we realize that what, what earth is, in the, in the moment and what your life is from the moment of salvation to the moment of glorification, mm. okay, when Christ returns. That sanctification process, which not a lot of people talk or preach about, that is the preparatory work that God's doing in your life and mine to prepare us for heaven. Because yeah. here's the point, Chris, think about this and we'll close with this. If, if, if our salvation was only about getting people out of earth into heaven, mm. why don't we why don't we shoot into the sky like spiritual bottle rockets the moment we're saved? Another one saved. You mean there's another, another plan? You see, you mean guy says, "Hey, I, I'm I'm a follower of Jesus. I've prayed my sin." Another one gone. Okay, think about that because that's what we're telling people: be saved, whether you're a bottle rocket now for Christ or a bottle rocket at the end of your life for Christ. It doesn't matter because you're going to heaven anyway. Who cares what you do on earth? But here's the thing. That, my friend, is not biblical Christianity, and that's not the message Jesus preached to the gospel. See, for Jesus, the gospel message was the gospel of the kingdom of God. Mm. That's what Jesus' message was. People say, how did Jesus preach the gospel when he didn't die yet? Jesus had a gospel, which was good news, and it was the gospel of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, Mm. which for him, and we'll leave on this, we'll pick up next week. For Jesus, it was a person, it was him. Whenever Jesus would heal people, he'd say, the kingdom has come upon you, or the kingdom is near. Why? Because I'm here. Mm. For Jesus, the kingdom of God was also a people. It was the movement of the people of God taking the mission of God to the world. And finally, and this is good news for us, it was the power of God. The power of God that raised Christ from the dead, Ephesians 1, has now been given to us to work through us for his glory. And so here's the thing I want you to think about. What if the kingdom of heaven was not a place we go to? Or better yet, what if the kingdom of heaven was not God trying to get us out of earth into heaven? What if the plan of God was trying to get heaven into earth through us? Mm. And I think that's what it is. Wow. We definitely need to talk more about this. It's a great topic. I could sit and listen to it, uh, and I will sit and listen to it when we talk about it more potentially next time. Uh, But we do want to wrap up this week. We are part of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. And and surprise, guess who we're supposed to talk about this week in the network? 
Who? Replicate Ministries. Wow, I've heard of those guys. Replicate Ministries. So I want to take this opportunity to tell you about one of the things we are excited about. We just recently created a digital blueprint, mm. meaning we've taken our live blueprint training where we tra- we've trained thousands of pastors and church leaders over the last five years. We've recorded it, th- did a high quality recording of that, eight sessions of training to help you implement all of these disciple making uh strategies that we've been talking about. How do you do what Jesus did in his ministry in the life of your church? The discipleship pathway, uh, discipleship, how to implement discipleship groups, how to create a disciple-making culture, how the Hear Journal connects with that, how uh, different spiritual disciplines uh, take precedent in the midst of all this, how you lay the foundation for disciple-making in your church. And and you can get all of that yes. uh, by going to replicate.org slash by blueprint replicate.org slash b-u-y blueprint so check that out if you're interested in training your staff checking it out for yourself training your people as a consistent tool you can use for them and when it comes to talking about the kingdom of heaven and and all the stuff that we've talked about in this podcast i do want to remind you that pastor has written a book called here and now and if you want more information on that topic check it out wherever good books are sold Thank you for joining us for this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty. If you don't mind, take a moment to subscribe and share the podcast. You can find out more about disciple making, resources related to disciple making, and our customized training on our website at replicate.org.